there's so many different areas of work coming down the road. We need to make sure that our students are prepared for that work. Community college is the answer to that. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. This episode of In the Know features United States Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh's address to community college leaders at the 2022 National Legislative Summit with an introduction by Pam Edinger, president of Bunker Hill Community College in Massachusetts. This episode also features an extensive Q&A the secretary did with community college leaders. There's a lot of great information here, so even if you were at the NLS, I think this is worth listening to again. Also, I usually include this at the end of the episode, but please feel free to reach out to me directly at jbray at acct.org if you have ideas for future episodes. What do you want to learn about? We're always open to suggestions. This morning, we will hear about the priorities of the U.S. Department of Labor for community colleges, and we hope that it, it will inform your work. Um, it is my honor to introduce the Honorable Martin J. Walsh, the 29th U.S. Secretary of Labor, a champion of the working people and a friend of community colleges. Secretary Walsh has shown the nation his deep commitment to labor and to economic strategies that would lift communities into the middle class. We hear his strong advocacy for Build Back Better, for the Good Jobs Initiative, for worker center recovery and job creation. We saw his urgency during the COVID rescue efforts where he sent protective equipment to first responders and ally health workers on the front line. And he halted evictions, funded emergency childcare, rescued small businesses. Secretary Walsh stands with the people. For us educators, we see his push for innovation in workforce development. When President Biden re revived the Advisory Committee for Apprenticeship last year, after three years of nothing, Secretary Walsh gathered industry, labor, and educators around the table to envision apprenticeships for the new century. Clean energy, ally health, information advanced technologies, he speaks the language of community colleges. What inspires me the most in the end is Marty Walsh demand. He exemplifies hard work, values his immigrant roots, succeeded as an adult learner, and is a tireless advocate for recovery. And of course, he is the mayor who gave Boston free community college. <laughs> So please help me welcome our Secretary of Labor, Marty Walsh. I want to, uh, I want to thank all of you for all the hard work that you've done uh, in uh, doing to keep community colleges safe and operational during the pandemic. Millions of students uh, depend on, on community colleges all across this country, and our nation depends on community colleges. And I know yesterday you had a champion, a couple of champions of community college. Uh, the First Lady was here, I heard, so uh, you can't get much better than that. And uh, a gentleman that I didn't know before this job, and he's become a dear friend, Secretary Cardona, uh, who has done an amazing job as well. So I want to just thank. But community, to go back to community colleges, I've seen up close and personal how, 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 how they can make an impact on people's lives. Uh, as, as Pam mentioned, when I was mayor, uh, we worked with our team at Bunker Hill very closely uh, on a whole bunch of different initiatives. 
Uh, as Pam mentioned, we created uh, free community college for low-income students. We created expanding dual enrollment programs that get students a, a foot into the, into the front door of higher education. Uh, we created apprenticeship programs and relied on community colleges to, to learn and earn opportunities for our young people in Boston. Uh, community colleges are certainly the engine of equity in higher education. You serve, the majority of your young people that you serve, or the students that you serve, are black and brown college students in our country today. Uh, and it's an opportunity, it's a pathway uh, into, into the world, quite honestly. Uh, and you provide access for all those who need opportunity that face any kind of barrier. Uh, and that's what you heard yesterday from the First Lady, and, and the President, the Biden-Harris administration is committed to supporting America's community colleges. There's no question about that. And at the Department of Labor, we're working very closely with America's community colleges. For the past year, I've been traveling all over the country. I think I, last time I was here, I said it, and I probably should shout out some different community colleges, but I make a point to wherever I go, almost every city I go to, uh, if there's a community college in that city, uh, I go to. Yesterday, I was in New Orleans, I was at Delgado Community College. Uh, and we had an event there uh, with the governor and, and the mayor and, and the congressman and the counselors. And then afterwards, I asked to speak to some students and I went to a nursing program. And I had a chance to spend literally 45 minutes with some students to talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. And what we ended up talking about was the important need for getting more young people and more people into the field of medicine, uh, whether it's nursing or radio technology. Uh, they asked me questions about what can we do as a government to help people clear pathways for opportunities for whether it's tuition or grants or supports to help them uh, be able to get through their school. I talked to the students I talked to yesterday were mothers and fathers uh, trying to raise a family. Some, some were young people who just came out of high school learning the system. Uh, and it's amazing. And, and I've seen it at Trident Community College in South Carolina when I was there. I had a chance to meet with a, uh, with a whole bunch of young people and see an aviation program. Uh, I mentioned this one before, Kurtwood Community College in Iowa, uh, and blown away by what I saw at that school. Uh, Montgomery Community College in Maryland, uh, I had a chance to walk around there and see some amazing things. And everywhere I go in the country, when I go to a community college, uh, I see just amazing things happening. Uh, and I also see the impacts of COVID-19. I see the impacts of COVID-19 on your student base, that most of the schools don't have students in there, you're doing remote learning. So it's important that we continue to continue to work together. Every, in, every institution I go to, uh, I see America, quite honestly. I see all of America in those institutions. Uh, I see young, I see older, I see, I see people of color, women, men, uh, black, white, Asian, Latino. I see immigrants, I see citizens. I see a whole bunch of different people there when I go there, and it's amazing to see that. I see different relig religious backgrounds. I've seen the quality of education and support systems. I've seen innovation in career training and economic mobility. And that's why I honestly feel inside of me that community colleges are essential to this administration's vision for building a more inclusive economy in our history. And, and And I know this because I saw it firsthand in the city of Boston. I saw the opportunity when you present that opportunity to somebody to get that chance to, to, to be able to be trained or educated and moving up. And that's the historic opportunity in front of us. If it can work in Boston, it can work in cities around America, it certainly can work in all of America, all across our country. Under President Biden's leadership, we're experiencing job growth like we've never seen before. Uh, the, the new jobs report shows that since President Biden took office, nearly 6.7 million jobs were created. That's an all-time record. 
in addition to uh, over $1 trillion infrastructure law that was created to, to support good-paying jobs all across our country. We need to make sure that we create pathways and opportunities for folks into those jobs, because in the past, historically, people have been left out, and we can't let that happen this time. President Biden is focused on making sure that doesn't happen this time. In this administration, and certainly at the Department of Labor, we're committed to building a more modern, inclusive workforce that is ready to take on those jobs. We're committed to lifting up workers in communities, because we all know when you lift up workers, just like your schools, when your schools in your neighborhood, many of you are the ones that are the driving economic driver in those, that neighborhood. And we need to be able to, we have so many more opportunities to make sure that the young people that go through, or the people that go through your programs, not only stay in the town, but go across America and lift up all of America. We have to be, we have to make sure that, as I mentioned before, people have been shut out in the past, communities of color, women, veterans, workers with disabilities, and also people in rural communities. The president is very focused on making sure that we don't leave rural America behind. That's why we're investing in workforce development programs. Thank you. That's why we're investing in workforce development programs that are diverse, supportive, and accessible. And that's why you need to be at the table. It's no coincidence and no accident that, I'm, that I stand, this is my second time being in front of you and being on four times on Zoom and, and visiting college. I go because I see the impacts that you make. These are, as I said before, just not words. This is the reality of the situation. I saw it yesterday at Delgado Community College. I saw it when I drove on campus. I saw it when I went in and saw students walking around. I saw it when I had a chance to talk to the students. I saw the amazing stuff that's going on. For 100 years, they just celebrated their 100th year anniversary. So I ceased the opportunities. The tasks that we have in front of us can't be done without community colleges. Registered, registered apprenticeships is certainly a good example. Apprenticeships are among some of the most powerful strategies that we have getting people on a pathway to middle class. We are increasing our focus on pre-apprenticeship programs that would open up opportunities for women and people of color. We need to partner, we need to innovate, and we need to act with urgency. I just want to take one quick minute. I met Trin Nguyen back in 2011. I was the head of the building trade. I was a state representative and I was the head of the building trades. And we were working on a project labor agreement. Trin was the chief of staff at the Boston Housing Authority. And her boss at the time, he passed away, his name was Billy McGonigal. And I knew Billy well, and we had an opportunity because the American Recovery Plan that President Obama filed. And in that American Recovery Plan was money in there for job training. And as I had the conversation, we're talking about the opportunity, how are we going to spend this money? And the money was for people that lived in public housing. So we were talking about poor people that didn't have an opportunity. And we sat at a table and we started talking about a program. And we started thinking about what does this job training program look like? And I went back to the building trades and we had this project in Boston many years ago called the Big Dig. You might have heard about it. <laughs> and I asked my, six, my predecessor, I said, how many people did we train in the Big Dig? We trained hundreds of people in the Big Dig. I said, did we go into the communities of Boston? Yeah, we, treat, we created people of color and women. We, had, we trained all kinds of people. I said, where's the file? He goes, the file's in the office. So I went to the file and I pulled out the file and, Sure enough, there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of applications of people that got trained. And I said to him afterwards, I called him up, I said, well, how many of these folks made it into the union? A good amount. I said, do we have a number of how many people actually went through job training because we had job training in that, in that, 
bill that way back then when the big day came, and how many people actually access the union because once you get to the union, you have a job forever. You work on that one job, you go other places. He said, I don't have an accurate number, but I know people took people into the union. So I went back and I talked to Trin, I talked to Billy, and I said, well, we're going to do something different in the building trades. We're going to create a pre-apprentice pre program. It was called Building Pathways. And what we did was we took, the, we took it, and it was in the PLA, so we had it all set. But there was no legal binding document that, that said these young people had to go into the union. So what I did was I did an addendum, and I put it in front of the business managers, who all look like me, and I said, we need to do more in the trades to diversify and create opportunities and pathways. And every single one of those business managers signed that agreement. Now, at first, we didn't place everyone into the, every union that we wanted to, but that program is still in existence today, long after the PLA is done and the work is done for the American Rescue Plan. And there's over 600 people that have gone through that program. And about 80% of those people are still in the, they're in the building trades. And they're, they're, they're learning, they have a skill, they, they're working towards a pension, they're working towards an annuity, they have an opportunity to, to get into the middle class. And I literally, in trend, we could bring up here hundreds of young people that that opportunity of pre-apprenticeship tied to a job changed the trajectory of their life forever. And it works. And what we want to do, what I want to do with the Department of Labor is do something similar. Now, it's a little more complicated because it's a little bit, just in case you don't know, we have a little bit of bureaucracy in the federal government. <laughs> but, we, but, but the way we do this is by partnering with you. The way we do this is we revive the National Advisory Committee on Apprenticeship. And, and I asked Pam to be the chair of that because I, I know the work Pam did with me in Boston. And I know that Pam knows in my heart what I want to do. And I certainly I know that she knows how to get it done because we got it done in Boston. And also, Walter Bumpus is, is also a key member of that. And that's how, you know, as far as the future of work, and you hear it, if you go home tonight, you turn on the TV and you listen to one of the news stations, they're going to talk about what's the problem with people going to work in the country, what people, the great resignation they're calling. It's not a great resignation. It's people leaving their job for two reasons. One is that they're getting close to retirement age and they're realizing that I'm, I'm just tired of COVID and I want to retire. And there's a bunch of other people who are leaving their job because they're in a job that, let's say, quite honestly, I can't even support myself, never mind support my family in this job, so I want to do better. It's you community colleges. It's you that's going to be the key to helping us help us educate and train millions of Americans. Other colleges will be helpful too. They can help us with that. There's no question about it. But down on the ground, you are in almost every single community in America. You are in every city and town in America. You are in urban America, in the downtown sections of cities, and you're also in rural America. And you've done this work for a long time. So I just want to say I look forward to, to having our conversation today with Pam. I also look forward to the great work that each and every one of you are doing. And want you to know if, if when I'm in your town, I'm going to do my best to get by your school. Thank you. Thank you, Secretary Walsh. I, I keep wanting to call you Mayor Walsh, but we're Secretary Walsh now. Um, the Secretary has agreed to um, take questions. So if you see those two microphones, um, come on up. And when you ask your question, please tell us your name and where you're from. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Good morning, good morning, Secretary Walsh. Thank you for being here. My name is Vivian Malaulu, and I'm a trustee at Long Beach City College in California. 
I'm also an officer for ILWU. You were recently in our office, so thank you very much, Local 13. I would like to know your thoughts on the role that community college will play in the future of work in terms of automation. And it's a, it's a subject that's very passionate for me because I've seen my union sisters and brothers be replaced by automation. And as an educator and as a trustee, and I'm also on the board of directors of ACCT, it, it hurts me to think of the jobs that are waiting for our students in the future if they're being replaced by artificial intelligence and if they're being replaced by foreign countries and their agenda to take over our work. And you're such a champion. You know, I'm, I feel a little overwhelmed right now because I know your heart and I know you're a champion for labor and workforce development and education. So what are your thoughts on that? How can we prepare our students? Yeah, thank you very much for that question. And uh, when I think about the future work, I think more than automation. I think about what the workplace is going to look like, what are the skills people need. Um, I had a chance to go to um, Detroit with the president. We went to GE, uh, GM, excuse me, GM's uh, facility where they're making electric vehicles. And the plant that I went into is very different looking than it was 12 years ago. Uh, and as I was walking around the plant, uh, uh, the president actually was talking to a technician, uh, a young woman there, and asking her a question about the, the job. And she said when she started the job, it was very different than what it is today. But she was trained to be able to work with the new technology that's inside the factory. And I think that, I think that I'm not as concerned about replacing every job in America with technology because we still need people. And I think that we, that's why I think training is so key, because how are we going to run this machinery? How are we going to move forward? And then the president's agenda to bring more, buy, more products and more manufacturing back to America is going to increase the need for jobs. So I think when we think about the future of work, when I think about it, it's not just what work looks like. It's how do we create opportunities for more pathways into other jobs? And how do we train people up? And how do we, how do, we do it in a, in a, in a bigger way? Um, yeah, when I was out in Long Beach, uh, in Long Beach, I saw the, uh, the, the, the cranes and the trucks and, 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 and all, of the, all the machinery. And then when I went over to the other port, I saw a lot more technology. And, and um, I think, you know, as we continue to do it, we're going to be having many conversations about this. But I'm not as concerned as you are today. Uh, but, you know, for example, coming out of your industry, you have to be worried uh, because you work in an industry that everyone's like automation. And there's no proof yet that the automation is actually faster than the, the human workforce in your industry. Thank you for saying that. Okay. Thank you. Good morning, Brother Secretary. Uh, my name is Art Reyes. I'm board vice chair at Mott Community College in Flint, Michigan. I'm also a journeyman electrician for General Motors. Um, so I really appreciate you emphasizing the importance of apprenticeships because they truly represent a future, not only for the people who can get those jobs, but for the companies. They're making a commitment um, to the future of those people. But as a trustee for a community college, um, I'd like to know what steps the Department of Labor will take to help protect the students who want to improve their lives through these things um, from, the, from falling victim to the predatory practices of so many for-profit colleges. Um, <clears throat> that's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think the best thing we could do is, is continue to support financially community colleges, pass Build Back Better, get make bigger investments into into community colleges and help you market your, your programs. I mean, I think that it's also important that 
words matter and what the president and the vice president and the first lady and secretary of labor and secretary of education are out in America talking about the importance of community colleges. I think it, that means something. And I do think that we, we do need to pass the component of Build Back Better that supports community colleges. The original bill had $100 billion investments in community colleges. We need to let people know in Congress, um, in the Senate and the Congress, the importance of community colleges. They all say everyone knows how important they are, but what it actually means. As far as the predatory colleges, I can't really, I'm not going to comment on that. I just want to do everything we can to continue to, to market and beef up our community college system here in America. And people will know what the right choices are. It also goes back to what a, young, what a person told me yesterday uh, in being able to afford community colleges and afford the books. Uh, and, and the reason why we brought free community college into the city. We want to create as many opportunities so when somebody comes in the front door to sign up, and, and, and you have grant programs, and you have ability to, for people to be able to go to college for almost free. That's going to, that's gonna, you're going to be able to outmaneuver the for-profit side of that. Uh, good morning, Mr. Secretary. Uh, first off, just wanted to thank you uh, uh, for being here with us. Jonathan Bird, I'm a trustee at uh, Kellogg Community College in Battle Creek, Michigan. You know, in Detroit, they make cars, in Battle Creek, they make cereal. But um, uh, also a proud member of Labor's Local 355 and on the board there. So again, thank you for being a member of our union. And uh, my question is, uh, and also uh, the chair of our board is president of the state building trades for Michigan. So uh, when you made the comments about how, uh, what you did in Boston and bringing community colleges together along with the building trades, uh, how can we, uh, uh, through uh, your department, really incentivize that uh, statewide and, and bring the leadership of uh, the building trades together with the leadership of uh, community colleges uh, to really work hand-in-hand. Hand. I know like in Michigan we, we have we, we've started and, and have some programs where if you're a, a, a journeyman uh, or get your journeyman card it counts for a year's worth of community college and then you know we're able to then uh, get our students to you know take a few extra classes it's you know you know sometimes hard in our industry but how, how do we uh, or how can you continue to um, encourage more partnerships, direct partnerships with the building trades? No, thank you. On a national level, I'm, I'm working with Sean McGavey from the National Building Trades. Uh, we are working right now on the infrastructure, Biden infrastructure law, on how do we implement that and how do we create pre-apprentice and pathways into the building trades, but other trades, other, other opportunities for work as well. So that's one, one way of doing it. And then on a local level, I would absolutely, you put a meeting together with the, the statewide building trades, the community college boards, I'll be there, and we'll talk about how it worked in Boston. It's not that hard. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that the, the, the members of the unions, their kids are going to community colleges. So there's a natural synergy there when we, we move forward. So I, I would suggest to everyone in the room, as we talk about this national movement, it's going to be good, but it doesn't happen. It's not the same if you don't have a local connection. And, and what made, what made the, the, the pre-apprentice program so in Boston so effective whether it was, it actually didn't start, I didn't start as the negotiator of the PLA, my, my predecessor did. And he had a very close relationship with Bill McGonagall and very close relationship with Trent. And they were able to like build off their friendship, off of years and years of working together. So it's about relationships. And it's not about what you read in the paper. I, I, can, send you a, I can send you a plan what we're gonna do, but if we don't take the time to build the relationship to understand the impacts, because at the end of the day, it's a lot like recovery. The unions will get more out of it than the kids will because the unions will be creating pathways and being part of something that they hadn't been part of. So if you set a meeting up, I'll come out, but we are working on a national level to, to make that relationship smaller, tighter. Awesome. Thank you.
Good morning, Secretary. My name is Janae McDonald. I'm the Vice Chair of Springfield Technical Community College in Massachusetts. Hey. Yes. Um, I want to start out by thanking you for your investment in women workers, especially in the child care industry. Um, when, at my time with SEIU, you invested in our child care, child care pilot. You provided family child care providers with sustainability grants um, at a time well before we had Build Back Better on the Horizon. Um, considering that and considering the child care need for both families that attend community colleges, um, and the, the capacity that we're facing, especially in a place like Massachusetts, where we have 15 to 20,000 families waiting for care, and we have women who are attending community college, participating in the early education program, however, it's not quite attractive for them to enter the field. With something like Build Back Better, it would create the investment in it, but yet we still do not have the supply that is necessary to meet the demand. So how do we kind of restructure how we view pre-apprenticeships and maybe outside of the building trade model so that we can create some sort of pipeline um, to solve for these problems? Yeah, thank you. First of all, thanks for the work you've done. Um, just we need Build Back Better. Uh, we, we need to reimagine re, re childcare in this country. Uh, we have, uh, the last two years has been devastating on the childcare industry. Uh, and prior to the last two years, the childcare industry didn't have a lots of supports. We had, we had people work in the industry that were underpaid, that were loving their job, but eventually they had to leave their job because they weren't able to raise a family on it. Uh, we, have, we have a system that's set up to, to take care of, in some cases, low-income families, middle-class families don't, can't afford to pay for it. So that's why the president laid that out. So we're going to be working on that, on that piece. Uh, we have industries like the building trades, and I'll, and I'll switch to the other part of your question in a second. Industries of the building trades that start at 7 o'clock in the morning and work till 3.30 in the afternoon, and sometimes if you're off at overtime, you go to work till 5, 6, 7 o'clock at night. And there's no, there's no flexible childcare provider unless you have an independent person out of their home. So it's very complicated for people. And if we want to get more women into the building trades, and predominantly women are the household leaders in, in our country, well, they can't get into the building trades because they, gotta, they have no place to put their kids at 5, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. And at 3.30, they, 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 you know, they got to figure it out. So we, we do have to reinvent. And, and, and you know, the president, the Build Back Better plan investment, um, Hopefully, I mean, we're beginning. We're keeping the conversations going. Childcare, I know, is at the top of the list, and I think that it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican or progressive or conservative. Everyone needs to figure out how to deal with childcare. So, so we're gonna we're gonna work with that as we move forward. When I talk about pre-apprenticeships too, I talk about. I know I use the the model of the building trades, but pre-apprenticeships can be in any industry. We can put it in the tech industry, we can put it in the nursing industry, we can put it in any industry. The building trades have happened to have probably one of the best models because they pay for it and, and the system is set up where you're going to school for usually three to five years depending on the trade. And, and, and once, you're in, once you're in the apprenticeship program, you're being paid all the way along. So the model of pre-apprenticeship is something that we want to bring to other industries in this country, not just the building trades. And we're working on that now. Uh, my name is Austin Fulnagy, uh, uh, Lane Community College out of Oregon, and uh, SEAU 503 member. Um, I consider our faculty, our classified staff, as an investment. Um, and with inflation going up 7%, uh, we're in conversations, I, met, I believe a lot of us are in conversations about our budget. Uh, some of us might be going into uh, bargaining. And a 3.5% cost of living increase, um, even though 
is a big investment on our part um, and also would require raising tuition is a drop in the bucket with how inflation is going. So we are constantly in a struggle of making sure that we pay family wage uh, wages to our employees, but also not create financial barriers to working families to, uh, to get a higher education. So um, how can we uh, work with the Department of Labor? How can we work to uh, create um, the opportunity to make sure we uh, take care of our employees and don't create barriers for our students? Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the bottom line is getting more funding to schools. I mean, sorry, the bottom line is getting more funding to schools. That's the bottom line, whether it's through a state program or the federal government. And uh, th that's why when, when Build Back Better um, you know, didn't advance in the Senate at the end of last year, it was disappointing because I knew the impacts that that bill would have on finances and community colleges, not just expanding programs, but also treating their employees, treating their employees fairly and being able to support and also treating your students fairly. So we just need to continue to push. You need to continue to push me. I need to continue to push whoever I push uh, to make sure that we create more opportunities. Investments have to happen at community colleges. Investments, now, whether it's on a federal level or state level or local level, you know, we need to continue the investments. I remember one time being a state representative in Massachusetts back in the early 2000s. We, we weren't that overly uh, investing in community colleges. Community colleges would come up, they needed money. We weren't overly investing in them at the time. We get the money, but it was, it was level funded way back then. And I think it's the importance for us is if, if you're an elected official, you're a leader of a city or town, and you're thinking about how do you lift up your constituents? How do you deal with poverty? How do you deal with crime? How do you, the way you deal with crime is by creating a job. The way you deal with poverty is by creating a job, good paying jobs. That's how you deal with this stuff. I mean, you can talk about all the programs that you want, but if you create a pathway for somebody into a good paying job, then they're not forced into doing something bad in the street. And that's what we have to be, we have to be more, we can't be saying on one side, well, we support you and we want to do everything on the other side, you know, not funding you. So there's a longer conversation we're going to continue to have. Thank you. Thanks for your advocacy. Hello, my name is Heather Moss. I'm a trustee for Bates Technical College in Tacoma, Washington. I'm actually going to, thank you, yes, CA Washington. I'm going to build on one of my colleagues from New England's question about childcare, but I want to take a different focus on it. So childcare is important as an career, obviously, and childcare providers are largely underpaid, but I'm also seeing in Washington State in particular, and I think this plays out across the country, that we have a lot of families working poor who cannot afford childcare. And I look at our higher education institutions, primarily our four-year institutions where we have scholarships paid for by the federal government. For some reason in childcare, we talk about them as subsidies for poor families. And I would just wonder if there's any conversation happening at the federal level about how to expand federal support for families who are working who cannot afford childcare. Not because it's overpriced, but because it costs a lot of money. Yeah, yeah President Biden in Build Back Better laid out a plan. Nobody, nobody earning $300,000 or less, no family would pay more than 7% for their childcare. And that, would, that money was coming from the federal government. That's the plan that's in existence. That's the plan that's out there. And that's the plan that we need to pass, quite honestly. It, and not only, it'll also support workers in the childcare industry bringing their wages up. So it does two things. Keeps money in families' pockets. They can spend it on other things. And number two, it pays better wages to the workers in those facilities. Thank you. Hi, I'm Robert Hudig. Uh, I'm from Mass Bay Community College. And I'm a liberal arts major. And I just... With the earlier question about automation, I really strongly feel that as computers and automated machines are able to do more and more, that it will make it even that much more important to have training in the things that computers can't do, 
which are what makes us human, and broad-based critical thinking skills. Broad-based critical thinking skills, and I was wondering what plans you might have to be able to more strongly incorporate that kind of training into producing the worker of the future. Yeah, I mean, what we're doing, it, we've been talking about work of the future in, in, for, for the last 30 years in this country, and that everything, you know, by 2020 something, we weren't gonna have any people working. We still do. And, and I think that, I, I agree with you, I think that automation is important, and I think that that goes back to one of, one of the answers is how do we get um, more money to your school so you can actually have the technology that you need to train workers of the future. And we're, we're, we're about to embark at the DOL on a, on a big conversation about workers of the future. Again, not around technology, although it'll be part of the conversation, but also about manufacturing, bringing more manufacturing, and then creating people for other jobs. We have jobs in this country. Mass Bay Community College is part of, build, is part of our, um, our free community college. Uh, you know, we have tech companies in, in the New England area that, that need people. We have tech, why can't we train more people in tech? It's not just about manufacturing. We have parts of this country that industries, we have the whole energy sector coming in, wind turbines and wind farms and, 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 and all of, and solar panels. Why can't we train people in producing them, not only producing them, but hooking them up? I've seen some of that in community colleges. There's so many different areas of work coming down the road. We need to make sure that our students are prepared for that work. Community college is the answer to that. How, do you, how are you gonna, uh work to put uh, apprenticeships in rural areas where there are no unions, the uh, employers would love to hire yeah. an apprentice, but they can't afford to pay them. Yeah, it's, well, the employers can pay. We just gotta talk to them about it. Uh, we, 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 we're gonna, as I said earlier, it's not just about union apprenticeships, it's about apprenticeships. So it's not just union, it's not just building trades. We're looking at the apprenticeship model for other industries, and, and rural America is the focus of the president, and we're gonna be working with employers out there to see what they need and how do we set up apprenticeships. We're doing it right now in trucking in America. We have a trucking and pre-apprentice program. The, the union's part of it, the, 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 the non-union trucking's part of it, the independent trucking's a part of it, we can do it. A lot of companies right now, are closing their office because of the COVID. Yeah. Um, they have all remote. Um, a lot of stuff has changed psychologically. Yeah. What is your thought in the labor department to get those people back <clears throat> in vocational you know, jobs back to yeah. change your psychology? What are your thoughts on that? First and foremost, this has been a brutal year for everyone. And just make sure that you have programs in your schools to help your students dealing with some mental stresses that are out there right now. And the same for you. Um, you know, the, the survey says one out of every three of us are going through some challenging times right now, and that's true because of COVID. So I think, I think that that's something that's important. I think I, people are gonna return back to the workforce. It might look different, it might be hybrid, but I still think we're still, we're still getting through this pandemic. I think over the course of the next year, 18 months, we're gonna see it, what, what the workforce looks, the workplace looks a little different, but ultimately I think people are gonna start going back into the office too. Maybe not full time in the beginning, but eventually they'll come back. World Economic Forum says approximately 100 million Americans are going to need to be either upskilled or reskilled by 2030. We talk a lot about the students, right? But the one group who also needs to be upskilled are the instructors who everyone is going to be looking to. Who is going to help upskill these instructors? The logistics are mind boggling because they still teach. Thank no, you. thank you. Um, I'm gonna end on this note. You know, when, when I think of community college, when I thought about it in my roles as a state rep or as mayor of Boston, I thought about community college as an opportunity. 
those opportunities to be able to train workers into new fields, those opportunities to give young people or people opportunities to get the better of their life. I thought of a whole bunch of opportunities. The way we're going to do this is not depending on the federal government, the state government, or the local government. It's going to be depending on all the governments figuring it out together that we need to support community colleges. You are the answer to upskilling. You are the answer to technology. You are the answer to rural America. You are the answer to so many different areas as far as educating people. By doing that, we also have to look at what you have within, your, within the walls of your schools to make sure the instructors that, that are there now get upskilled and making sure that people are coming in. Nursing is a great example. We have tens of thousands of nurses in America that quit because they're tired and they're burnt out. Why can't we get some of those nurses into community colleges, skill them up to train them to teach college students, and take the 60,000 college students that are on lists right now waiting to get into programs to get into community college? There's a lot we have to do. But let me just say this to you, last thing I'll say. Bring your elected officials and leaders to your schools. Bring your elected officials and leaders to your schools, not once, all the time. Explain to them what's going on because they have the ability through voting and through the budget process, whether it's at the State House or Capitol Hill or City Halls across America or Town Halls, they're the ones that, that have the ability to help you. You need to continue to bring them in and make, just bring them in over and over and over and over and over again so they fully understand, not just saying, oh, this is a great program. I love Pam Manager. She does a great job at Hill Community College. It's a great school. I need to know what's actually happening at Bunker Hill Community College to be able to, 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 to advocate on your behalf. So bring them in. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of In the Know. We'll see you next week. <laughs>